0: It's September 1st. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, an activist organization has demanded that five states remove Donald Trump from their ballots in their upcoming primaries. And one state said, yeah, they'd think about it. Details shortly. Second, gas prices are shooting up all across the country, and that is partly because of events from around the world. I'll explain that news and what is likely to come next in just a bit. Third, China has made a bunch of people very angry all around the world, and it is all because... Beijing forgot the one lesson that every man learns in his first relationship. I've got that news coming up. Later, we close out the podcast with two listener questions. One wants to know, well, how much marijuana companies are offering me to sell their stuff? Because the listener says he might understand if I decide to take it. Second, A listener wants to know why I am so prideful about asking y'all for money to support the podcast because isn't pride a sin? All right. Well, I've got some answers to those questions to close out this week. But first, let's get to our top report of the morning. Donald Trump may be disqualified to run for president of the United States because five key states might decide to bump him off their ballots. the rationale for doing so is connected to the brief that i gave you back on august 22nd about the 14th amendment now if you missed that report definitely go back and listen to refresh your memories but in short there are some legal scholars who make the argument that the 14th amendment automatically disqualifies the former president from ever running again because he was involved in an insurrection now that of course is referring to the protests On January 6th, which were, of course, several years ago, but to be clear, Trump has not been charged or found guilty of such a thing, insurrection. But nevertheless, these scholars and some political activists are making the case. One activist group who is leading the charge to make this case just made a big move over the weekend. The group is called Free Speech for the People, identified by a fact-checking organization as a leftist political group. Well, they wrote some demand letters on uh, actually Wednesday of this week to the states of Florida, Ohio, Wisconsin, New Hampshire and New Mexico, demanding that these states use their legal authorities to remove Trump from their state ballots, which, yes, would remove Trump's ability to win the presidency. Well, in response to this organization's demand letter, a New Hampshire secretary of state, who was a Republican, said that he would review the request along with the state's attorney general. Meanwhile, Michigan's Democrat Secretary of State said that she too would explore this issue further, as she said in consultation with officials in her state and others. And she noted the others part because she said that they likely would need to act in concert with other states because this issue would almost certainly end up at the Supreme Court. By the way, speaking of Michigan, residents there and in Florida have sued their states to remove Trump from ballots using this 14th Amendment uh, argument as justification. But so far, only the state of Florida has done anything about these lawsuits. In fact, a judge threw it out yesterday. So that is the latest update to what I assure you will be an ongoing saga for the next three months, at least about this 14th Amendment issue. Let me now pivot briefly to my analysis and opinion. So as these states are deciding what to do, folks, They have to know that if they pull Trump from ballots, there will be a tremendous backlash. And let's just go through some numbers to remind us as to why that might be. A poll out this week from Harris X polling shows that Trump and Joe Biden are effectively tied on a nationwide basis, 44 to 45 percent respectively. Meanwhile, a poll from a morning consult this week shows that Trump is leading the GOP pack of candidates by a, my goodness, a country mile, 62 percent. To the second place fellow, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, who sits at 13 percent. And by the way, that 62 percent, that is actually an increase following the charges that were levied against him, Mr. Trump, in Georgia. In other words, it appears that the more the Trump gets charged, the more the GOP voters view this whole thing as a witch hunt and support him all the more because of it. Now, that said, there is some other polling, which includes Democrats, that actually thinks that all these various charges against Trump, in fact, do have legal merit. But still, my point is this, the argument in favor of the 14th Amendment, it's not just a legal concern. It's about politics and ultimately whether Americans like you think that, well, there's some equality going on here, some fairness. In other words, does does the Biden Justice Department and all these fellow Democrat prosecutors in places like New York, D.C., and Georgia are they really following the law or are they playing politics? Because that matters, this is especially in this case. And what is clear, ladies and gentlemen, is that a substantial percentage of Americans this morning believe that this whole thing of charging Trump is generally, if not specifically, about politics to ultimately protect Biden and other Democrats. In fact, 56% of Americans think that Joe Biden likely took bribes from his son and via his son, Hunter, while other polls show that Americans believe that the Biden DOJ is working to protect Hunter from proper justice. So in that kind of environment, where many people anticipate voting for Trump and that they believe that the Department of Justice is corrupt, well, removing Trump via this 14th Amendment argument, it's just absolutely inviting disaster. And I say that not as a conservative or liberal or Democrat or Republican, but rather based on my time spent abroad. Because what I have seen in other countries where the ruling party or a regime starts taking out their opponents through these sort of backdoor measures, in other words, if they take these folks on in that way rather than at the ballot box, well, the opposition figures or their tribes or supporters counterattack. And that takes various forms, and it includes violence. So bottom line is that I view this 14th Amendment approach as dangerous And based on my review, pretty flimsy, legally speaking. In other words, this is not something that should be settled by a bunch of activists. It is a question that ultimately needs to be settled by you, the voters. With that, we turn to our second report of the morning. Well, it is almost Labor Day and a lot of you might be off for, say, a long country drive over the weekend or to see friends and loved ones in a beautiful road trip. Well, if you do, make sure you bring an extra stack of cash. Gas prices are way up nationally, sitting at about, well, $3.83 a gallon, according to AAA, which is just about a record high for this time of year. But that's actually not the worst of it. Again, according to AAA, there are 11 states in this country where that price per gallon number, that's a lot higher, $4 a gallon or more. And to be clear, that is not normal. As I briefed you on throughout the summer, gas prices usually start to dip at this point through the fall. But we have this confluence of different factors that have tipped things the other way, which is exactly why I am bringing you this report this morning to prepare you for the next few months. So here's what we know and why global events will likely mean that gas prices will remain a little bit, well, bouncy, spicy throughout the fall. First, we have coups and civil unrests in places, well, that produce a lot of oil. And that includes Gabon, which we talked about yesterday. Second, Saudi Arabia is tightening their oil spigot, reducing supplies, all to keep prices high. Third, Russia and other OPEC countries are cutting back, just like Saudi Arabia, for the same reasons, trying to keep the prices of oil and gas high. And then there's China, right? Beijing is still buying fuel at a pretty high rate which is odd and curious because their economy is slowing down. And so too then should their demand, but that's not the case. Over the past four months or so, they have bu- they've been buying oil and gas by the buckets. Now, in fact, I briefed you on this oddity back on July 26th. If you want to go back to that brief and explore how this impacts you. Now, finally, and of course, we can't forget oil and gas production here on the home front and how that might explain these weird gas prices lately. Well, some good and bad news here. U.S. oil production, it is humming along. Some pretty good data came out yesterday on that. But overall crude inventories are lower than normal and refineries have been knocked offline over the past couple of months because of heat and issues related to various storms like hurricanes. Well, all of that from international affairs to domestic affairs, that has created a perfect storm of its own with some pretty you know, international wonky supplies that odd Chinese demand with some mixed news from here in the United States. Meaning that, of course, that in the short term, gas prices will probably remain elevated. One final note, folks, if I can pivot now to my analysis and opinion. So this oil and gas issue, which if you take it combined with my series on dirty green energy from a couple of weeks ago, it really underlines why here on The Right Report, I absolutely love sharing with you about how global events impact us here at home. And that makes us a little bit different here at the Right Report, doesn't it? Not a lot of other news programs and podcasts do, but that's all right. We are going to keep doing it here on the Right Report because I love it and I sure hope you do too. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, no ads for you this morning. Instead, your podcast gets delivered to you each day in your email along with transcripts with hyperlinks buried inside those transcripts with all kinds of great facts and data that I have presented today. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, thank you and enjoy the following messages. Remembering that if you do not hear my voice telling you about a product or service, then I don't endorse it. We'll be right back. Hurricane season is upon us with a dahlia on its way and the time to prepare folks is right now. And to be prepared, you ought to order emergency food kits from four patriots, Com. Their long-lasting and tasty food options are specifically designed to provide you and your loved ones with the sustenance you need when you need it the most. And that is because, ladies and gentlemen, Four Patriots Survival Food Kits are hand-packed in the United States. They last for upwards of 25 years, and they include a wide variety of breakfasts and lunches and dinners. Plus, they are backed by over a thousand star customer reviews. But I should say that Four Patriots, they are ready for you even after hurricane season. You can use Four Patriots survival foods after, say, a temporary power outage or crazy people rioting, or in a few months, a winter blizzard. But I'll tell you, if you've got Four Patriots sitting on your shelf, none of that matters. You are ready for whatever comes your way. And right now, you can go to 4Patriots.com and use a great promo code, right, and you will get 10% off your first order. So go to 4Patriots.com. That's the number 4, Patriots.com. Use that promo code of right W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get 10% off your first order. Again, that is 4Patriots.com, and go there today. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue, shall we, with our briefs this morning, pivoting to international news. Now, here on The Right Report, you know that we love maps, but there is one map that a whole bunch of people do not love this morning. It was a map released on Monday by the communist government in China and everybody hates it. So we are going to talk about that map, why it has angered so many people and what it means for you, because there are global implications for this map in ways that actually might benefit you. So here's what we know on Monday. China released its annual map of the country, drawing what it said was boundaries with the 14 countries with which it shares a border. Now, if you look at your own map of China on your phones or computers or in your minds, you will see that those 14 countries range from Nepal and India to the south, You got Russia to the north and the east, and then that very tricky area to the south and east that borders Laos and Vietnam and the South China Sea. And all of those countries have been in disputes, wars actually, with China about where exactly those borders ought to be. I've included some great links in the transcripts that have that very long history if you want to watch some videos or read up on that thousand-year-old series of fights over the weekend. But here's the upshot. In more recent times, President Xi of China has taken over arguably as a dictator and he is acting like one in terms of redefining those boundaries, which takes us to Monday's map. In short, what China basically did was take out an eraser and they removed the claims of all the disputed territories of all these other nations and then they drew new lines, new boundaries, and they took everything that was disputed as their own. Well, As you would imagine, those other nations that lost territory in this new redraw, they were not happy about that. In fact, India was one of the first to react, calling it absurd, to which China then told India to, quote, stay calm, be objective, and rational, end quote. Okay, let's pause for a moment. Gentlemen, when you haven't had an argument let's say with your wife or girlfriend or ladies when you are having a heated moment with your husband or spouse when somebody says calm down and be rational what is the response to that generally (laughs) well what most of us learn by our first relationship is that by saying calm down that does not in fact lead to anyone calming down It usually leads to the opposite. Well, I am sorry to say that Beijing has apparently never been in a relationship. They have never learned that painful lesson because predictably their neighbors did not calm down. They are even more angry. Vietnam blasted China, the Philippines, Malaysia, Nepal, Japan, and yes, of course, India, all angry and none are happy with President Xi and the communists in Beijing. Now, that is a problem, of course, not only for China, but it also means that we have a very awkward moment coming up. And that's because next week, 20 of the world's major powers are gathering in India to talk about global stuff. But now things are going to be a lot more strained because of this map. In fact, things are already so strained that President Xi is reportedly backing out of going to India to attend this meeting. And that's kind of a big deal It would be the first time that he has skipped this G20 meeting since he took power years ago. Now, interestingly, there is one country that has not said much about this new map, despite the fact of having some of their territory taken from them. And that country is Russia, which makes sense, I suppose. Moscow is not exactly in a great position to play hardball right now with Beijing. And that actually takes us away from facts and data this morning and towards my analysis and opinion on why, in fact, we should care about this Chinese map situation. First, the balance of world power is clearly shifting. Historically, Russia has had a very senior place at the table in global affairs, but no longer. They are the junior partner to China's more senior partner status. And there is a lot of evidence for that. But this is the latest. Second, if we had a smart person and team in the White House, they would use this moment as a wonderful opportunity to drive a freight train between these various countries that did not calm down and Beijing. In other words, to crack the alliance that as of this moment, China is trying to build up in that region. Finally, do you remember the brief that I gave you back on August 24th all about BRIC nations and the U.S. dollar? Well, if you didn't or if you're forgetting, definitely go back and review that because it is central to why this map fight is such a big deal. But if you don't recall, let me just refresh our memories here. BRIC nations are made up of Brazil, India, China, and South Africa. Now they and a whole bunch of other countries are trying to take on the global dominance of the United States and taking on and down the U.S. dollar. And if that were to occur, there would be a huge impact on your wallet and America's ability to pay down the national credit card of debt that we have. Well, with this map fight, the long odds of BRIC nations ever taking on the U.S. and the dollar supremacy, well, those odds that were very long before just got a little bit longer. And that is because this BRIC alliance just got a little bit weaker, all thanks to China's border bullying. So that is why you should care about this map drama coming to us from Beijing this morning. And it is one more reminder why you should never, ever tell a spouse or a country to just calm down already because they don't like it. It is a tough lesson that China is apparently going to have to learn the hard way. And, uh, well, from my optic, you love to see it. With that... Ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Well, I've got something different to tell you about today, folks. It's a product, but it is endorsed by not only me, but by you, a listener. Craig in Campbelltown, Pennsylvania, wrote me about Wacker Coffee Company. Funny name, great coffee. So here's what Craig had to say about Wacker Coffee. Brian, I had my first cup just a moment ago, and I'm working on my second This is hands down the best coffee I have ever had. You have made an old guy in Campbelltown very happy. This is a superior product. And I know now where I will be buying my coffee from, from this point forward. Craig, yes, sir. I told y'all this company is run by a former United States Marine, wonderful family man. And I'll tell you, he is a guy with a serious passion for roasting coffee. In fact, his company's motto is, we empower coffee beans to be the very best versions of themselves. Now that is a Marine who is serious about his coffee. So folks, go to WackerCoffeeCo.com, that's W-A-C-K-E-R, and enter the promo code WRITE REPORT for 10% off. Ah, Again, folks, go to WackerCoffeeCo.com today and buy this stuff because your taste buds will be so, so happy. Folks, if there were ever a product that you should consider, man, this is it. Jace Medical. They provide an emergency supply of prescriptions and antibiotics. And here's why you should consider them. As listeners know, I have spoken about how China and India control most of our prescription drugs, including antibiotics. Well, what happens if a war should break out over, say, Taiwan or maybe a pandemic again? Well, we all know what happens. Our supplies of critical products get interrupted. And that is not acceptable if your life depends on it. So that is why I am proud to tell you about jacemedical.com. And here's how it works. You fill out a simple form at J A. S.E.Medical.com. Then you speak with a board certified physician and within days, your order arrives at your home for emergency use. And I'll tell you, this is not for casual use, folks. Talk to your normal doctors for sniffles and such. This is for emergency use with potency lasting for years should the worst ever come. So friends, go to jacemedical.com. Enter promo code right. that is W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get a discounted order. Again, that is promo code right at J-A-S-E-Medical.com. Welcome back to the Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It's a couple listener questions today sent to us from my paid subscribers at WRITEReport.Substack.com. First question is from Dale in Clarksville, Tennessee. He was responding to the episode yesterday where I told you that I had been offered some big money by marijuana companies to endorse and advertise their stuff here on the right report. But as I told you, I can't for the reasons that I laid out. Well, Dale wrote in and he wants to know how much money we're talking about because he might understand if I have to cave and take the cash. Well, Dale, I'm gonna give you the answer. For my podcast, it would pencil out to around 10 to $15,000 a month, give or take. So yeah, it is a shocking amount of money. And that is why you probably hear on other podcasts, they embrace this stuff and they tell you about it. (laughs) They are making a gob of cash off it. And my goodness, I would sure put that money to good use if I could take it, maybe hire some folks, not work 12-hour days, but I can't. It's just painful, but I can't which gets us to question number two. Sammy from Northern Ohio wrote in asking about, well, a couple days ago, I told you that it's hard for me to ask you all for money because of my pride. And she said, well, wait a minute, isn't pride a sin? So just come on, Brian, ask and be grateful. Okay, well, I get it. And I'm not a theologian, but religion aside, you should know something about me. I come from a family, especially a long line of men that does not accept stuff from other people unless it is the very last thing or option we have. We are just born and bred to be uh, self-sufficient. In fact, I'll tell you a great story on that. My fifth great grandfather in the early 1800s, he would give every one of his boys an axe when they turned 18 and he promptly kicked them out of the house and said, good luck. And from that point forward, he would treat them like a kindly neighbor, uh, as was said, not a son, actually. And that's pretty hardcore. But that sort of strain of self-sufficiency has been passed down over the generations. And for better or for worse, it is in my blood. But interestingly, I think I was also raised to be generous, sometimes to a fault. And I'll tell you, I have seen it over and over. My family will give our shirts off our backs to a neighbor or a friend in need, and sometimes to... a an absolute stranger. And I have one story that I will never forget as long as I live about that. So when I was a boy, my stepfather and mother and my four siblings, we all headed to a restaurant for supper. And that was a very, very big deal because we did not have a lot of money. And eating out was a really big treat. Like, I don't know, maybe we went out once a year. So That particular evening, we pulled into a parking lot of a Chinese restaurant, and I was probably about eight or nine, uh, give or or take, and we got out of the car, 1980-something Buick LeSabre, and we made our way to the front door of this restaurant, but we were stopped by a woman who, she looked a little bit disheveled, and she needed help, and I remember that she talked about her life story, she was struggling to get back home, and she needed a bus ticket. Now, most of us have heard that kind of story uh, by somebody on a street corner and such. But I'll tell you, there was something special about her in that moment. And, and I knew it and I could sense it as a kid and I could tell so could my parents. So my stepdad took out his wallet and gave her a wad of cash. To be specific and clear here, our dinner money. So we drove home and mom fixed us supper instead. And before we ate, we had a tradition where we would pull out a Bible verse from a box and we would read it to the group and reflect on it before we had our evening meal. Now, sometimes the verse, it made sense or it was lovely, you know, about peace and, you know, caring for folks and such. Well, sometimes they were a little bit more confusing, especially for a kid. Like, do not wear mixed fiber clothing. And when we got those, mom would do her level best to find some sort of moral to the story. Like, well, we should all be grateful to have clothes. And that's the point. Such a great mom way to handle that. Nevertheless, that night when we came home and we were lamenting, at least the kids were, for not getting our Chinese food, well, the folks brought out the box with all the Bible verses and all of us pulled out the the, uh, verses per tradition. And something pretty incredible happened. All seven of us at that dinner table drew out a verse that was about tending to the poor or the hungry or the lost. That had never happened in our family before, where we all pulled something out that was on the exact same theme. And as each one of us drew that out and and gave life to that verse and spoke it, we all knew that something very special was happening in that moment. And I won't forget it, the feeling, watching the reaction on my mom or my stepdad's faces. Again, that had never happened to us before. And I don't mean to get preachy. But it was confirmation for us that our divine was at work. And that sacrifice, you know, giving up our money to a stranger, that is a central part of our walk with the Lord, the divine. So the point, Sammy, is that it is true. I probably do have a little bit of stubborn pride that I need to work on. Fair enough. And I, gosh, I am utterly grateful for everybody's help to keep this podcast going. But I hope with these stories that I've shared uh, this morning, I hope that you have a little bit more understanding as to why I have that family pride and understand that in my family, we also embrace the importance of sacrifice too. On one final humorous note, so when we were all sitting there that night at the dinner table, realizing that something very special was happening, my brother Kyle, started reaching back into the box with all those thousands of Bible verses. And he kept pulling one out, looking at it, and then putting it down and then pulling out another one. Well, I asked him, what are you doing? And he said, if I could paraphrase, well, maybe God left us some lotto numbers on these verses to to make up for the fact that he took away our our dinner money. (laughs) Which, you know, does seem fair. I'm just not exactly sure that's how it works. And in case you're wondering, uh, there were no lotto numbers. Everybody had to go back to work. Folks, if you'd like me to answer one of your questions on a podcast, it's very easy to do. Either donate via my strap account, which you can find a link for in the show notes. Just make sure you leave your email and I'll be in touch. Otherwise, go to writereport.substack.com, sign up, and then at the bottom of each day's Substack post, you can leave a comment or ask me a question. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you on Monday, God willing, Until then, I leave you the creed of every good spy and every wise American. Hear the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.